Ahoy, fellow chicken chasers! And welcome aboard the Joy of Trek, a ship-stealing podcast exploring the rowboats and proto-drives of Star Trek. All, all of it. it. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And out in the vehicle printer is your chief engineer, Greg. Together, we're on a mission through the time zones of Star Trek to find the engineer in every security officer and the excellence in every episode. Even the dreadnoughts. Because every episode must be someone's favorite, and it might as well be us. So cobble together your warp matrix and join us as we fracture into... The Joy of Trek. Trek. We're getting really good at these intros, We are. It's like, well, once we get used to the format, I think it's easier to go in with uh, who's what and, like, who's on first and... uh, (laughs) Before it turns into one of those sketches... (laughs) Okay, yes. shall we try another Klingon word of the day to warm us up sure. for, the, for the episode? Let's, let's okay. Klingon up. Because I've just found this most fantastic word. Yes. Uh, which is an example from chapter 3.3.6 of the official guide to Klingon words and phrases by Mark Ockman. What is chapter 3.3.6? I'm just realizing this is somebody's first episode. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, whoa, oh, is, so is it a full-on Klingon language course? No, it's not. This is about the relative ordering of the suffixes. Okay. Yeah, because Klingon is a very efficient language and does a lot with suffixes. So here we go. Okay. A single word, which means due to your apparent minor errors. This sounds like it's, it's turning more and more to Finnish, isn't it? Klingon. <laughs> also, also a, a very, I think it's a hyper agglutinative language. But so you, you start off with kach, error. Yeah. Which I think we... Actually, that was the first yes. one that you... It was your first day. Right. Yeah, error or to right. err. Yeah. It's also a verb. Well done. Uh, and then chom is a diminutive, and may is a plural, and ge is apparent, yes. uh, seeming. Lij is your, and mo due to. I like that, like, you say due to something or in reference to something, you right. just have this, this suffix. Yes. So, like... My last, to, yeah, my, last my, my, my last email, Mod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 ooh, how would you put that together? Do we have message? Because what is then the suffix of ooh? As per. Mm. As per. It's got to be something. Well, something with with more. Well, no, that was more then. More. More. Yeah, because they do the glottal stop as a letter. Yeah. Okay, pick a word, and I'll see if I can come come close to it. What, what Wait, are you interested email, in? Email, I thought we were talking about. Uh, email. Oh. I'm, I'm going to guess that I'm not going to be Mail, able to find it. Mail, communication. Oh, that's a good idea. Communication, that sounds communication? like a good one. As per my last communication. Ah, yeah. Communicate, we've got cum. I mean, Message. that makes sense. Cum sounds like as per my last communication. It's like, uh, <laughs> that is, I think that's the closest <laughs> we're going to get, yeah. Oh. <laughs> This is so stupid, but I kind of like it. Right. Well, now we learn how to be passive-aggressive in Klingon, which is kind of... Kind of I mean, that's, that's actually quite an achievement, because, like, Klingon is very good at just being aggressive, so being passive-aggressive in Klingon, that's an art form on its own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder what the suffix is for my, because it would, it, it would then be kum. I think we're sort of rapidly sort of having to confront that this is not a very entertaining segment for an audio podcast. No, it's like some, somebody some leaf through a book of this, yes. Uh, but Kay, okay, okay, I, I actually really like the opportunity, and I, I, I almost wish that I could be like, oh, have you ever heard of someone called Klingenem? Klingon Eminem? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, bud. <laughs> it's a German Star Trek fan, mm -hmm. and he uh, is a Klingonist, as people who study and practice the Klingon language as a conlang mm -hmm. uh, are known. He's a Klingon rapper at parties. Sure. Famously like, made a sort of grungy video clip of doing Eminem's Without Me, but then in Klingon. All right. Which has a really dope hook whose lines I will study for some other time and tell yes. you about what it actually means. Thank you. But the refrain, the meaning is, there are no old warriors in Stovokor. Fair. Yeah, that right? sounds like a good one, yeah. There are no white beards in Valhalla. I mean, you've got a modern-day equivalent. It's like you've got old pilots and you've got bald pilots, but you've got no old bald pilots. Ooh, there you <laughs> go. But, I, mean, I mean, I believe the only reason, the, the only requirement for getting into Valhalla wasn't even like that you had to die in the battle. You just had to die holding your axe, wasn't it? Yeah, you had to be a good... And you had to be picked by the Valkyrie to actually go there, I think. But yeah, if you, you had to die with your axe in your hand, otherwise you didn't have a chance anyway. And like half of the people didn't go to Valhalla. They went to Freya's Hall. You know, you had Wait, Odin. what? Yes. That was an option? No, that, there was an option. You just got picked. So if you got Valhalla, which is like Odin's hall. Yeah. But oh, it wasn't. So. Uh, but you also had Freya's. Actually, Freya was Freya just had had a field or something like that. But they were doing the same thing. So half of them went to Valhalla. The other went to Freya's uh, hangout, and uh, they were just like different branches of the military of the uh, uh, of the afterlife of the afterlife or something like that. Uh, oh, that's brilliant. Well, so yeah. when I think of like Odin's hall, I think it's pretty metal. But also pretty high effort. Yeah. Right? A lot of social interactions that cost a lot of effort and a lot of right. you know, a lot of fun. But it, it's a it's an energy drain. Well, it's it's eating, fighting and talking to her and like training for Ragnarok. I mean that's pretty much the whole point. Oh yeah, they were doing that. Yes. That's the whole thing. We everybody knows that Ragnarok's going to happen and they're that's what they're working up towards. That's what they're getting ready for. That's the whole point of Valhalla. Okay. And what's the people... Because I'm sort of leading more toward whatever Freya's up to. I mean, that's it also, like it's also the same. It's just the other half of the people who are like... Chatting uh, and handcraft. It's like, yes. I mean, we need more than one military commander, apparently. Chilling out. It's like, I mean, you know... Knitting? Odin, is that a thing? I mean, maybe... maybe I don't Still, know. Still, they didn't know about knitting. Oh, no. Knitting is like a fairly late invention, isn't it? It's like, 13th century is the first time right, people started yeah, knitting. Yeah. Mental. I mean, crocheting must, have been, must be older than that. You'd think. Yeah. Okay, we have successfully completed... Several minutes of warm-up talk, like we're a real grown-up podcast, without falling in the temptation of immediately talking about which episode we're doing. I'm very proud of us. Okay, well, I mean, is that is that our thing? Is that like something that we're doing now? I'd, I've tried for a while, because I know other, other grown-up podcasts right. run by grown-ups, they, they do that. They have like okay. an intro segment, let everybody come on board, you know, while they're fishing like, out their keys A little bit of warm-up to what's going on. Yeah. So is this, this is like, this isn't a not-so-subtle segue into the episode, I mean? I'm glad you asked, because today we're discussing... <laughs> <laughs> Prodigy, episode 108, Time yeah. Amok, with oh. a guest appearance by Alan Tudyk. What? No. I figured he was playing the chicken. Oh, <laughs> no, there is a holographic chicken. It is not, unfortunately, Alan Tudyk. Although there is, here's a fun one that I think our chief engineer will enjoy. There's a gelatinous creature yes. on the crew called Murph that you've seen, who only does these, these weird trills. Right. <laughs> who's played by D. Bradley Baker, a name that our chief engineer knows from the animated Star Wars universe. Right. Tell us all about it. So D. Bradley Baker is the voice of every single clone in the Clone Wars animated series. He was the voice of Klaus from American Dad. He's Appa and Momo from Avatar The Last Airbender. So he's used to doing creature work as well. He's Olmec going all the way to Legends of the Hidden Temple. D. Bradley Baker is a legend in voice acting. And when he was announced as one of the actors in this, I was immediately just like, 
He's going to be a creature, isn't he? And he did not disappoint because Murph is spot on with what you expect for D. Bradley Baker. Thank you. Thanks. And now... And I'm going to pretend that was... We are going to have known what D. Bradley Baker has contributed to the Star Wars universe. I still... But, all right, well... Yes. I know, the mystery will persist, <laughs> but eventually, like, those memories will seep into your mind at a much, much later recording. So, yes, Prodigy. So, as I understand, again, a Star Trek franchise part series. of series that series. I have never actually seen anything from before. Hey, neither had I, so I'm right there with you, Kay. And all I really know about is what you told me before, is that, like, ship gets thrown away into distant spaces, which seems to be a bit of a Janeway problem, uh, and... <laughs> And there is this miscreant crew aboard, which pretends to be Starfleet cadets, which are now being tutored by holographic Janeway. Yeah. And it's like, okay, my first impression is, wow, is this World of Warcraft the movie? Why is that? I don't know, just the way it looks. I mean, I guess the chicken and the way the various uh, characters look. Although, when looking at Janeway, Mm -hmm. it's like, is this done by Pixar? Because she looks like, very much like the humans in Shrek did. Especially Shrek 2 is like she could fit straight in there. She could like play the fairy godmother in uh, Shrek. Ah. You know, it's just just the way way the character is animated and the way it looks. So a lot of the character designs are sort of playfully polygonal. There's an impression as if they're low resolution polygon. uh, And maybe that's what 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 gives me the World of Warcraft vibe. Although I've never actually played it, but also yeah, you know, bright yeah, bright colored characters, uh, rolling hills. Yes, you got the. Okay, so we've got the. the Tell the, me about the these pink, characters from the your. Pink, the pink rock creature, which is like basically troll based. And we've got the. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's Rock Tuck. Right, yes. Who seems to be a fairly young member of her species. Yeah, she's a young girl. Yes, then we have the. I, I can either go Dark Elf or I can go. Uh, what's the name of those fish creatures from the Zelda series again? The, you know Zelda better than I do. I know, do. but you're, I, I can't. You're the but, you proud know, you, owner of a Nintendo but Switch. But you also know how terrible I am with names. So it's. <laughs> I think you're talking about Dal. He's the purple skin. No, no, no. The, 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 oh. the, dread, the dreadlocked uh, daughter of the big evil guy. Oh, well done. That's Gwyn. Yes. She's a. She's Dal looks much more like a. Uh, yeah, you know, look a little purple like. I love he's, his he's, ears. He's a very roguish character. Yeah. You, you just like the little nick he's got in his ear because that's like a badass canine thing. It is a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's got this little fantastic cowlick and this great hair and this, yeah. and this like little tentacle tail out of the back of his head that nobody knows what it's for. Yes. And then there's this troll-like character who seems to be the chief engineer. Now, him you can uh, actually be excused for recognizing because that is a Tellarite, a species we know from uh, the original series oh, and okay. shown up in, in Enterprise. Uh-huh. They're a tusked species. They're known for complaining and being belligerent. And like, right. If you want to make a friend, you go up to something and you criticize them or complain about something that they've done wrong. Okay. That sounds vaguely familiar. Well, yeah. yeah I'm like trying this, to remember where I've seen this. It's like uh, I, I, I seem to of Star Trek yeah, Enterprise. I seem to, yeah, I think it's Enterprise. It's like uh, yep. probably Archer walks up to them and starts making them compliments and telling them, and uh, like later turns out, like, yeah, that's not how you deal that's with these guys. That's not. They won't respect you if you do that. This seems, yeah, this seems vaguely familiar. And we've got Wembley from Portal Two, who is also the oh Wheatley. Wheatley, yeah. that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I need to check up the the pronouns for zero. Yeah, who seems to be cobbled together from a lot of spare parts. He's very, he's got two oh, different hands. They, there's an episode where someone, they're a medusan, a semi-non-corporeal species. Oh. But so what you're looking at is their encounter suit. 
Oh, uh, right, that yes. That indeed has been cobbled together from and various... The, and the entity itself is the bright light, which is like shining yep. out through the eye hole, basically. Yeah. Ah, yes. Their species has the property of being, like, psychologically damaging to most organic species. I mean, a lot of humans have that towards other humans as well, so I'm, I don't really see... <laughs> No, the mere visage oh, is okay. enough to right. send people into insanity. It's a very unfortunate sort of incompatibility of these, uh-huh. uh, these species. But yeah, they're pretty brilliant, Zero. They seem to be very uh, bright on top of things. I, I, I suppose they're the science officer. You know, I guess. Yeah? Yeah. And then we have Murph, the gelatinous creature. Right. Is that, are, is that a pet, or is that actually a... Who's to say? Yeah, okay, we don't really know. All right, fair enough. So one of their friends, Murph, doesn't really seem to, like... Do a lot. Talk, or... Do. Be aware of, like, the plans right. that they're Actually, doing. hang on, stop, wait. Yes! We forgot in a segment. We forgot uh, the ejecting of the warp core. I say we eject the warp core! Okay, uh, go ahead and eject right. your warp I core. You're quite right. I have one, really, mm-hmm. which is the vehicle printer. Ah, yes, the vehicle replicator. The vehicle replicator, in which to the big bad guy can just, like, send a robot to upload. I mean, your network security is, like, down the tubes if you if anybody can just, like, go and dump a big file on someone else's uh, vehicle printer oh. and, like, print out an uh, aggressive bot which is just going to, like, take over the ship. Yeah, if only they had a security officer. And if was... only they hadn't, like, done this in any of the seven episodes before, if this is clearly an option that they have. Red alert, shields up! <laughs> the Diviner is the character you're talking about, right. played by John Noble. Yeah. I love John Noble. You know him as Denethor from uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm. He was the steward of Gondor. Oh, right. You yeah. know, sitting there yes. eating tomatoes and belittling his uh, one uh-huh. remaining child. Faramir deserves better than what Denethor did to him and said to him that he wished that he had died and Boromir had lived instead. In this essay, I will... Oh, you also know him as Walter Bishop from Fringe, the oh. mad scientist. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Cool, right? Yeah. He didn't yet know the location of the protostar, so he couldn't, like, beam any instructions to it. Okay. But now, apparently, that he knows where it is, he's able to, like, tight beam. Terrible, terrible, terrible security breach. Like, if anybody can just, like, that easily point an antenna at you and, like, get one of your replicators to do something. It's like, oh, yeah, just why don't you just replicate a proton torpedo in there and detonate it? Yeah, he's been after the ship a while. Yeah. It's a mystery that unfolds, but yeah, it's the locating that's been the problem for him because okay. he has some sort of plan with it. Sure. Are you excited about this series now? Let me tell kind you of, about, like, yeah. <laughs> so in the new era of Star Trek, Paramount started yeah. a lot of partnerships with different production companies and different studios to sort of expand the yeah. franchise of Star Trek under the supervision of Alex Kurtzman. Which resulted in, like, Star Trek Picard, which initially aired on Amazon Prime. And it was geared, on the one hand, to a slightly nostalgic audience, but also, like, it was a, it was a brutal thriller. We watched an episode. Yeah. So it was a very, very different tone, appealing to a different audience. And this as well. This was a collaboration with Nickelodeon. Right. I mean, it's, it's clearly more geared towards children. Right. Yeah, the, so, the whole stalwart crew of clearly young adults yep. who are thrown into a exciting situation. While also being very accessible to their parents. Yeah, I like, suppose, This is yeah. a show that Trekkies like can, us can, like, easy, yeah, can easily kids. watch with their kids. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of discover what it means to be uh, Starfleet, what the 
those sort of Starfleet values. Yes, are. instilled by Janeway. Because apparently something has happened. Because like this was the first episode that I've seen of this uh, series. Uh-huh. Uh So it starts off with I picked it as a standalone. For Janeway you. not being very impressed with the performance of the crew, so she has put them on a training exercise. You must work together to get a fox, a chicken, and a bag of grain safely across. That's all we know, and all the other requirements and parameters are unknown. We don't know how many people or creatures are allowed to cross at the same time in the boat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I also don't know how yeah. this teaches people teamwork. No. Very good point. What's his face? The incorporeal floaty robot seems to have figured... Uh, zero. Zero, that's all, Zero's one, yes. coming very close, because they're just working on the right. problem and seeing, like, oh... If we take one across, there's no rule to say we couldn't take another back. Dal, I believe you called him. Dal, that's right. ...is uh, busy handling the chicken, whereas Rock Played is... Played by Alan Tudyk. I was secretly... <laughs> no, all chickens are Alan Tudyk. That's just how it is. <laughs> very good. Whereas Rock is holding the fox, who seems to be... More or less being cuddled a little bit. Yeah, which the fox seems to like for a little bit. Mr. Fox, you want to hurt a feather. Jankum's hungry. Let's eat the fox. Uh, Jankum Pog, who always refers to himself by his full name, the Tellerite Engineer. I that, engineer. yes. Uh, well, almost. He, there seems to be a point where he doesn't, like during the Tachyon thing. And I noticed that yeah. was like he seemed to be a little bit disturbed at that point, I guess. I noticed that there was like a... It, Yes, I noticed exactly, yes, he always refers by himself in the third person, but he stopped doing that right at that point. But I'm sure there's a reason for that. He suggests eating the fox. Yes. Which is a good solution after eyeing the grain for a bit. Gwyn explains the parameters to him again. It's a puzzle that's familiar to very many of us, much like your first experience with, like, the Towers of Hanoi. Yes, I mean, it's a take on the goat, the cabbage and the wolf. And it teaches you right. to look at problems. In fact, it's probably problem. exactly the same. It just has oh, different creatures, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you have the, 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 the fox, the chicken, and the grain. You have the, the goat, the cabbage, and the wolf. You've got lizard, Spock, and Terminator, I guess. Oh, I never heard of that one, but... Oh, I'm making a little joke about, uh, you know, the li- uh, rock, li- paper, scissors, li- lizard, Spock. Spock yes. <laughs> <laughs> lizard, poison, Spock. Well, anyway. It um, goes terribly. The chicken escapes, the, the fox escapes... Pandemonium ensues. Right, but it doesn't go terrible because of them failing the exercise. It goes terrible because the, apparently the holodeck is programmed for these creatures to go a little bit crazy after a while. Well, they're also, like, they're specifically not working together, is, uh, yes. is Janeway's criticism. But as you correctly pointed out, this is not a team mailing exercise. No, not this really. Not <laughs> they want something, oh, constructing something together, something that you need multiple bodies for. Yeah. And meanwhile, the little slug thing is floating away in the boat. Murph's having a great time. Murph's, yeah. Who had the boat? They're just murfing about. So now they're in the, you know, it really looks like the danger room from, from X-Men, but it's clearly the holodeck. Right, yes. With a very disappointed hollow Janeway. And this is actually quite a significant moment. Right, because they learn that, she, actually she learns that... I made us all lie. We aren't Starfleet. We aren't a crew. Who are we kidding? We're a bunch of strangers who stole a ship. You stole this ship? I need holodeck. Give me a string of pearls. (laughs) (laughs) Give me clutching pearls. Yes. I like that Dull takes responsibility. I mean, he's also, like, lashing out a little bit, as teenagers want to do. You know, sort of punishing someone else with disappointment. Because he says that he lied and he made everybody else lie. He says it's his idea, because it was. Hmm. 
to pretend to be a Starfleet crew and therefore gain the aid of this hologram. Which Janeway, in fact, very quickly, I mean, not exactly in this scene, but very quickly afterwards in this scene, like... As I explained to Zero, cadets or not, you are still my crew and I'm programmed to help. <laughs> the programming gets around that very quickly. It's like... Yes. Uh, it doesn't matter that you're not Starfleet, I'm still going to treat you like you are. Make that f***ing bunk, and <laughs> this is not acceptable. Uh, we get a shot of the evil bad, our diviner, our diviner. his merciful shadow. It's who is so cool. Which actually reminds me a lot of the... The visuals here remind me a lot of... Titan A.E. Oh, I was going to say... No. Um, no. The vertical um, ship with the dredge and the... the dr- oh, yes, the ship, absolutely dredge. Right. Uh, but I was talking about the standing on the bridge with the red circles in the background that was very mass effect oh yeah i know what you mean yeah. the elusive man from, yes. from mass effect 2 and 3 exactly standing looking out at a dying red dwarf or whatever super dramatic it's, it's very nice very visually similar to that yeah i get that in this case it's just the diviner john noble right, his and merciful shadow <laughs> sick lex reference there bro <laughs> and his loyal death robot who's called no joke dead knock Yeah, well. Our diviner, there is another inquiry pertaining to the reward for information about the protostar. So, let me get this straight. So, as I understand it, they have a protostar contained in the drive unit? Yes, the protostar drives the protodrive of the USS protostar. Right, yeah. Okay, that's okay. That more or less matches up with what I was expecting, so yes. In Star Trek Prodigy, which features the progeny, of the diviner. Okay, this is getting complicated. Yes. <laughs> but no, but see, know, the vessel with the pestle <laughs> contains the star that is far. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets called up by Nandi, a Ferengi of ill repute. Ah, well, are there any other? Hey. Hey. Nog. Racist? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Nog. <laughs> That's about the only one. Nog does so well. Oh, no, there's that the Ferengi scientist that, that Beverly hangs out with. I'm gonna. I'm a huge uh, Ferengi apologist. Much like Jadzia. You know, like anyone Jadzia likes, mm, I'm yeah. open to liking. And unlike so many of the previous bounty claimers who've wasted their time, this one seems to know what she's talking about. I hear you're in the market for a certain ship, if the reward is still available. My patience grows thin, Ferengi. Speak. Oh, oh she. Yes, yes. Canonically female Ferengi, wearing clothes. Oh, good to see that. Uh, the... Oh, you know what? That hadn't actually... Yeah. I mean... Nandi is female, isn't she, Greg? That's correct. Nandi is, in fact, a female. Yeah, well... and wearing clothes, good for her. No, oh, I mean, this we much... seem to have gotten, for, gotten quite a bit since family matters. In uh... Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, Ferengi, yeah. I mean, you know how these things go. They go very slowly at first, and then all to, uh, suddenly all at the same time. Oh, Oh, it's I like, forget which novel like, that's It's like going bankrupt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, was it Catcher in the Rye? Like, how did you how did you go bankrupt? Oh, two ways. Slowly at first, and then very fast. Yeah. That's incorrect, as that's actually by Ernest Hemingway from The Sun Also Rises in Chapter 13 on page 136. How did you go bankrupt, Bill asked. Two ways, Mike said, gradually and then suddenly. What brought it on? Friends, said Mike. I had a lot of friends, false friends. Then I had creditors, too. Probably had more creditors than anyone in England. But so this one says, oh, but that ship was laced with Chimerium, wasn't it? And oh, the, the, which, the diviner yeah, sort of which, pierced up. Like, oh. oh, well, if you know that, then clearly this is what we call a data fact in Dutch policing, which is like a, a fact which can only be known by the perpetrator. Ooh, very <laughs> good. 
And so now he gets this location that she sent to him. No further communication with Nandi. No, it's like very trusting, like knowing that the evil baddie will uh, come through with paying the bounty if the information's good. You have to skip those sort of scenes if you want to keep it within a 22-minute episode. Yeah, no. No. The protostar jumped too far, our diviner. It would take months for the Rev-12 to catch them. But the the diviner is clever. Yes. Who says there are other ways to make our presence. Oh, please cut in the clip. There are other ways to make our presence known. No. <laughs> and we see the vehicle printer starting because, like, really bad network security guys. Like, like, sanitize your bloody inputs on your on your communication channels. Okay, I'm just gonna give it's you like, a little spoiler. He's hacked this ship before again. Yeah, really bad. Oh, data very, secu- network security. Very advanced counterintelligence uh, and uh, uh, whatever it's called when you hack someone, but then you it's sort of espionage. Yeah. But nobody knows about that. No. So, beautiful tachyon storm outside the window. Whatever that is. It, I mean, we've had tachyon storms before. You know, they make for color, pretty colors, and then whatever the plot needs to do. You know, I think the tachyon storm is unique here. I think this is the first tachyon storm. We've had tachyon really? other things before. Uh, okay. That's what I read. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I read a bunch of trivia. Hold on. I, I always do this. We all, One of us always does this prep. In this yeah. case, it was, it was me. Let's see if there's anything cool. Let me see. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, this is kind of cool, yeah. Yes. Here's the thing to pay attention to as we scroll through the Jeeves. Throughout the episode, Janeway's fingernails randomly change colour from being blue, brown, pink, stone to normal. Sorry, who changes colour? Janeway. Oh. Yeah. I mean, what, what, sorry, which part of Janeway? Fingernails. Oh, okay. Which... I guess that makes, you know, depending on the time frame, that kind of makes sense. Cause, I mean, you'd expect it for the entire hologram, because if time runs faster uh, in, in oh, particular areas... Oh, you're thinking blue shift? Yeah, red we're shift? getting redshift yeah, and blue I shift. Like in that. <laughs> that would have been fun to explain, too. Have, uh, have her wear a blue science uniform in the fast ones uh-huh. and a red uniform in the slow ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they actually do a little bit of that with the sound of the alarm. Ah, Jankum is joining Gwyn at one of the Vista windows because the Protostar's, like, outer edge just has these Vista windows. I, I love the design of the Protostar because it, it looks like a, a big old hulking Federation ship. Right? Yeah. It's got that big old wedge. It's got a bit of the shape of the uh, Voyager. Yeah, right, with a pointy nose yeah. and uh, muscular haunches. But it's also quite compact and it's got lots of windows so you can just look inside and, mm. and, and see. Which is, yeah, because if you see later on the later shot, you can see like clearly straight into the bridge. So it's, yeah, it's not huge. No, right? Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, Jankum asks Jankum was afraid it was a physical manifestation of how he feels. <laughs> he's really in touch with his emotions. I think he's one of the older members of this. Uh, he feels group. like that, yeah. yeah. And Gwyn is sort of moping. She chose this as her crying window where she could sort of feel her emotions <laughs> while the, yeah. the, the, the light plays tricks on her cheeks. Uh, and she says, well... Keep your boots to the ground because it, they might mess with our gravity. Oh, and the, crap, gravity? Like, <laughs> that's, that's the one thing that keeps the protostar stable. Yeah. Gravity. Fortunately, we never have had any problem with the artificial gravity generators in any episode of Star Trek ever. Not true. Oh. Yeah. Definitely in an early season of Enterprise. Chief, which one was it? So there's a couple examples of the artificial gravity going out. I would argue the most well-known one is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, where the Kronos One artificial gravity field failed, and you're the floating like blood in the ship when they're looking for Counselor Gorgon. Artificial gravity was lost on Voyager episode Prototype. It was lost when Species 8472 was messing around in Prey. 
But the one that you're referring to, Kaki, is Enterprise episode Unexpected. Thank you. Thank you. Where the gravity gives out while Scott Bakula is taking a shower. Ah, that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Also pretty sexy, because remember, Enterprise is the sexy Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yes, he immediately runs back to start messing with the drive, which doesn't go very well because we see a purple tachyon wave emit from it, which... Oh, yeah, it turns red, and then it just sort of blasts, and everyone gets... Yeah. and I'm just like, I'm just sitting wave. here like, going like, you know, that, like this drive thing, I mean, I mean, it probably doesn't make a lot of difference, but you've got this big, bright light shining out of it. Is that really the place to be standing? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're shielding, but can that shielding handle 1,000 times the radiation that's coming through? <laughs> I know, right? It's, uh... Or is maybe, maybe it's not even a window. Maybe it's just a hologram that pretends uh, to be a window well, just to give yes. you a sense of drama. Yeah. But yes, a big purple flash. Uh, we see Janeway getting split several ways. Uh, oh, so cool. Although it doesn't become apparent that's what happened immediately because it's the, yeah. it continues where she is in engineering where Jankin Pog declares that he has 10 minutes to fix it. And uh, what if the alarm zones are weird? Oh, uh, yeah. Weep, uh. weep, weep. Oh, no! Core breach! There's been a rupture! He says, he, he says I, I need to recalibrate the warp, and then the ship already explodes. Ah. So 10 minutes is more like 10 seconds. Yeah. The ship, it exploded. But we still had 10 minutes. Yet I'm here. And everything appears to be in order. And there's still one life form, except this time... It's, it's Rock Tuck. Yeah. Who and is. she's hiding under a blanket. And already seems to have been there hiding, doing so for quite a while. You see her running out from under the blanket, but the blanket sort of hovers and takes a while to fall yeah. behind her. Because even all the cutlery and everything else that's going on, it moves very slowly. Which is kind of weird, because like, why would the ship and everything in it be more affected by the time dilation than the people? Either you'd expect that everybody... Yes, absolutely. It's operating I'm, at the same speed. I'm with you, because we are made of the molecules that are around us. And yes. Like, but in Star Trek, that's not the case. You know, in the way that in that episode... Actually, no. I mean, it, it, it seems to be consistent, because in the previous scene, all the intelligent things are still thinking at their own speed. Because it doesn't. if time is accelerated by a factor of 10, it doesn't matter. You still get your 10 minutes if you are also accelerated by that same time factor. Yes. So it seems that yes. the people here are operating at normal standard time, whereas the world around them Brains is moving, muscles, moving yeah. at a different time It would be rate. a bit problematic, like oh, totally. all those slow or fast molecules of air. Yeah. Oh, it'd be terrible. This continues the proud Star Trek tradition of, like, physics don't affect people, right. sort of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the either the, the whole Ant-Man thing with, like, are we breathing small molecules or light molecules? Or even in Farscape, we have a similar scene where our, yes. our protagonists are being shrunk, shrunk down, down. And the more, one of the more science-minded characters sitting there having a little freak out is like, what's going on? How is it working? <laughs> Which is gorgeously lampshaded by one of the other ones. <laughs> but also, like that's immediately like the mission statement of, of Farscape, where, let's have the clip, chief. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is- wake up. Hynarian, wake up! My name isn't Hynerian. It's Rigel the Sixteenth. You may call me Domina. This is scarcely the time to obsess about how you're addressed. Look around you! One more prison, so what? I've seen far worse. Do you have any idea how small you are? 
You're not exactly a giant yourself. You have been reduced in size. You're hardly bigger than a filmabug now. Except... Except this can't be happening. <sighs> can't it? No. No. Reduction by proportionally subtracting atoms would leave our brains too simple to function. So, maybe they just made all our atoms smaller. But then we couldn't breathe normal-sized air molecules, don't you see? No. No, this... this isn't happening because... it's not possible. Your brain isn't functioning. Do you think this is all just a hallucination? Do you like that explanation better? No. But I simply cannot Neither comprehend can how the... I. Who cares? We're here, they did it, and that's that. You consider yourself intelligent? Yes, I do. Then stop behaving like a child. I am not a child. No, you're an infant. You've studied, but you haven't experienced. You know nothing of life. And you do? I've been around long enough to know how ignorant I am. I don't assume the universe obeys my preconceptions, <laughs> but I know a thrilling fact when it hits me in the face. And Rigel says how it is. Like, yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. But in Star Trek, it does kind of it matter. It does because it, because it pretend it does. Exactly. But then it also, that provides us a little opportunity to ooh, get our, uh, our thinking caps on. I'm thinking of uh, an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Geordi and Ensign Rowe are affected by some sort of whatever and they're now they're out of phase. They're like ghosts incorporeally walking through walls and yet still breathing air. Yeah. And also like obeying gravity and they can touch the floor. But right? they can walk through the walls. They can walk through the wall and yeah. they can like use ladder. Yeah, yeah, fun, fun. So, yes, Janeway takes Rock to the drive and starts explaining that something needs to be done. Rock goes, Stop it! I don't understand! You have to try. Computer, make Janeway go away! No! <laughs> and she's gone. And she's gone, uh, only to awake again in the next time frame, which is with Zero. And Zero has been hard at work sciencing the shit out of this problem. Yes, because Zero is again in a fast uh, timeline. Because what Zero manages to explain is... Those closest to the blast are most affected in alternating patterns. Fastest and slowest. Then faster and slower, then fast and slow. It's a sinoid uh, a movement. A damped sine curve. Yes, uh, yes. Let me attract your attention Which to... kind of like tapers off into a field... Uh, so there's a graphic that yeah. was actually written in the script, which yes. appears on the screen, showing like the extremely high wave and where Jankum is, the low wave where Pog is, then Zero is slightly higher. I think it's even explained in the show, you know, the fastest, the faster, the fast. Yeah. And then back to normal time based on the distance from the explosion, which is a really cool conceit. Yes. Zero manages to... I may not be able to build a warp matrix, but I can do the next best thing. You're drawing up schematics so I can pass them on to someone else. But unfortunately, they're in one of the faster universes. So he doesn't have time to actually make it. They, they. They, sorry. Yep. Yes, they don't have time to actually make it, and... I wish I could tell everyone how much they mean to me. Unfortunately, we get another little sequence scene where the ship explodes, yeah. and Janeway's again projects it to the next one, which happens to be... 
oh, yes, you have to save us all. And it turns out to be El Sluggo, whatever. The- Murph. Murph, yes. Yeah, good luck. So... <laughs> oh, no. Janeway face palms. Uh, yes. And back we go. It's unfortunate that Murph ac- occupies one of the more useful timelines in a little slower yes, ones. I mean, like, very, 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 very convenient uh, story-wise. Although we don't get to find out how long Janeway has to sit there waiting for this one to end, because I don't know if she can end her program herself. I suppose she, she can. can. Yeah. And so can the computer. Yeah. Like, her thing is that she can adjust her temporal setting so she's in phase with different people. Yes. That's uh, what uh, Zero remarks on. Dal, I think, I believe, was like, is also noticing that his computer game has gotten a lot harder because the, uh... Whatever. This game suddenly got faster! He's sitting in his bedroom, his gigantic stateroom. Like a teenager. Yes. <laughs> Which he is! Right? Mm. This mm. is... He's a teenage boy with a lot of potential, a lot of baggage, a lot of who's, energy. Who stole himself a ship. Yeah. With his crew. But he messed up and has continued to mess up, and that weighs really heavily on him. Because we, we see when she's trying to, like, call him to adventure. Somehow I'll make a man out of you. <laughs> now, all of China knows you wear pants. Yes. And she's showing him the diagrams that, that Zero very quickly whipped up together. And, yes, get cracking. Makers. And he doesn't want to because he says, I don't know how to make that thing. You know me, I'll only mess it up. And she just, yeah, cracks the old whip over him. So let's see how she, how she actually does this. His first idea... No, it's uh, simple. Like, he says... I can't! And she says... You can. And that oh, solves yeah. it. Mental crisis averted. <laughs> she gives him the talk about the Apollo 13. Oh. I think, the, oh, I think it's us who are operating on different timescales now. Oh. Because at first, she turns off his game and then tells him, here's the problem. And he's a very quick thinker, right? He's a survivor. Mm-hmm. And so he thinks about, what do we have? Oh, the vehicle printer can do it for us. Yes. Ah, but no, the vehicle printer is occupied with... Uh, someone loaded some giant file and it's all out of whack. And Jamie goes, well, that was a good idea. Which is kind of weird, because you'd expect it to be going extra fast in this timeline. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. You'd expect more continuity. I mean, there kind of is, and there isn't. Yeah. But she says, you're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way. Then he says, no, 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 I can't possibly. And then she goes, Apollo 13, which is so cool. <laughs> yes, we'll just, like, have to cobble it together, which is what he does. We get a montage. Montage! Uh, where he has to make this, fit into a whole design for this. Ooh, but that's the part that he doesn't have. He won't connect. I'm missing a dilithium coupler. I, I need the right coupler. He builds the whole warp matrix and yes. then brings it down to the engine. And it turns out that he can't build a uh, tachyon coupler or whatever it is. A, a dilithium, dilithium coupler, coupler is what he needs I, to... I, I must love some... They, they, instead of the Robertson screwdriver, they have the Starfleet screwdriver here. Every which... single trivia page I found about this episode <laughs> talks about that. You have to have a specially printed Federation, like, up sub-torque wrench. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool little montage where he's, you know, got goggles on. Which is really impressive, considering he's in one of the fast timelines. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. So he has slightly less than 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, hold on. The alarm hasn't started yet at the start of his phase. Oh, yes. No, it it, it only begins later. But still, he's, he has yeah. he has less, less time than everybody else. Yeah. And it's very impressive that he actually managed to finish this machine, but he's missing the coupler. Yes. And he's devastated. Yes, yes. I just messed it up again. I let everyone down again. And now there's no time to, to fix it because the alarm's already gone off. And Jane goes, You didn't. 
You added a piece to the puzzle. It may not be finished, but you're all in this together. And her role in 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 this scene, in this episode, in this in this series is so fantastic. Like she's she's teaching people why Starfleet and Star Trek is is really important. Mm-hmm. I was recently speaking with Rugger, who recommended the episode Family Business. You know, yeah. the, the Ferengi. Let me see if I can actually find their quote. Mm-hmm. And once again, I hope I'm not oversharing Rugger, but. When I showed them this episode that we'd recorded about family business, the episode yeah. they, they recommended, they said that they rewatched this episode recently because I'm dealing with a person at work who has an intellectual disability, schizophrenia, and substance abuse. And without breaking confidentiality, uh, I can say that she is sometimes violent and threatening towards me. Mm. And then I think of this episode, Rugger says, and I can keep my empathy for her even after she tries to attack me. Yeah. I keep pushing for her to live the best life she can. Oh, yeah, very good. Yeah, that's why Rugger recommended yeah. uh, Family Business, because it's a story that gives them strength in the face of adversity. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what Star Trek and Starfleet, in the words of Captain Janeway in this case, mean for for Dull. Mm. Because Janeway says, no, you didn't mess it up. You added a piece to the puzzle. Yeah. Zero got us this far. You, you got us further. Almost there. All we need now is the last component, and we can take yeah. it all together. Yep. Over to, what's her name's timeline? Little, little Miss Dreadlocks. Gwyn. Gwyn. That's one, thank you. Uh, where we see the printer finishing the evil robot. Ooh, yeah, because she's one of the ones who is closest to real time. Yes. I think she's a little bit slower. Right, yes, because she gets a lot of time. So, dilithium coupler. Everywhere we're looking for the dilithium coupler. Can't find a dilithium coupler. And suddenly we see this massive robot stalking through the corridors. And Janeway is, what's this? And uh, she recognizes it. A gift from my father. Can we return it? I love her voice. She's a wonderful performance. Because she's she's a real counterpoint to Dal. Because mm-hmm. she's also very capable. She's very calm. She's also used to being self-reliant. Yeah. But she doesn't have his, like exuberant charisma and desire to get other people on board with, yeah. with his idea. It's something like working together sincerely, something they both have to learn from different directions. She has to learn to let other people in. He has to learn to actually trust other people and not just and pretend not, to. Yeah. I mean, what was it they say again? The secret to success is sincerity. Once you can fake that, you've got it made. Oh, yeah. 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 That's the path that he's on, very yeah. much. And, and that he has to sort of learn to come back from. But yeah, she's apparently had a much easier time building this warp matrix with the, the knowledge that she has. But trying to find a dilithium coupler in this computer or that computer, they're all the wrong size. They're not right. Until yeah. finally she's confronted by the death robot. You attacked my former crew. Janeway, I'm surprised you remember. Satan's robot arrives! Who throws her around the bridge a little bit, deletes Captain Janeway's uh, files. Oh, did you notice how he did it? Yes, with uh, with Chakotay's uh, clearance code. Yeah, and his voice. Computer erased Janeway holo program. Authorization Chakotay, Zulu, X-ray, X-ray, dash, four, seven, five. No! Commit. What's happening to me? Squares! No! Where did he get that? One wonders. Yeah. Time to watch Prodigy, Kay. I guess. Uh-huh. Well, thank goodness that we're doing a Star Trek podcast where I'm going to show you <laughs> various episodes, perhaps out of order. Hey, perhaps not even out of order. Perhaps I'll just show you. Me? Who knows? But yes, she gets Dreadnought deleted. Dreadnought kill him. Or kill uh, uh, Gwyn. I know, presumably she, she's uh, Dreadnought's on her orders not to. You're going to get rid of me and then take the ship. That is against my master's wishes. <laughs> he cannot see what I know to be true. You 
are his greatest mistake. It and she's like, ha, ah, you'll never find a dilithium coupler because I've, I've torn the ship apart and there isn't one in the right size. Oh, here's one, says Dreadnought. And yeah, he just walks over to the nearest wall panel, rips it aside and like, oh, here we go. Oh, he's smart. He rips it out of one of the uh, spacesuits. Oh, that's what it is. That's why they find one that's the right size. But she doesn't want him to make off with the protostar. No. Because that's what her father, the diviner, wants. So uh, as soon as he wanders into the engineering, she opens the airlock and gets him sucked out the back. Unfortunately, so does the warp matrix. Yes. So Dreadnought is shot out into space, and now that we've talked about what he looks like at all, I'm kind of amazed, appalled. I don't really know, especially given Kaki. I know how much you like just like cool designs like this. This is just a really cool robot design. I love this thing. I love the kind of mandibles. Kind of reminds me of some of like the Urukai like helmet designs. Like it's just so cool looking. And you gave no comments on this at all. I'm disappointed in you, Kaki, because this is 100% my choice for the war job department. As a shout out to uh, listeners of our past podcast. Yet another timeline dies in a tachyon explosion. But not before she sits down and records captain's log. Yes. Computer, record captain's log. And now we cut back to Rock Tuck. Yeah. Sitting in the mess hall with bowls and bowls of... She's been there for a while. Gruel. Yeah. Just eating the same garbage over and over again. Going to bed, saying goodnight to all of her shipmates that aren't there. Goodnight, Bun. Goodnight, Murph. Goodnight, Jinkum. Good night, Zero. Good night, Dal. Sitting in the holodeck watching the last uh, replay of the last time that they were all there together. And she even asked for the computer to bring Janeway back. but That program has been terminated. Yep. Even though they were deleted much later in time. In a different time. Same thing with the uh, the message, the the captain's log, which is only which is recorded much later in time, like just before the tachyon explosion, and yet is somehow earlier accessible in the. Uh, yeah, <laughs> funny that. It's weird how tachyons go. Yeah, that's really really. Hey, weird. how do your tachyon explosions go with your experimental <laughs> superdrive? I, I, I try to avoid them. It's like <laughs> <laughs> and Gwyn recorded a message specifically for Rock. Yes. Uh, to hear. I attached files with schematics to build a warp matrix and where to find the right dilithium coupler. No, I can't, Gwen. Good luck. We're ca- good luck. We're all counting on you back no, here. No, that's <laughs> not fair, Kay. That's not fair because she starts... I never promised you fair. <laughs> wow, you're like M. Bison from the Street Fighter movie. You're merciless. Because Gwen, in the, uh, on the holodeck kept addressing Rock as our security officer used to be chasing these chickens. Yes. And Rock, very, she put her foot down, hey, yeah. I don't want to be security officer. No. Nope. Just because I'm big. Yeah. She not- also seems codes as the youngest of the group. She is. Yeah. She's a young girl who happens to be like physically larger because that's just how, how her species yeah. is. And Gwyn apologizes in this message and she says, I've been told what to do and who to be my whole life to. I know you're young. You're capable of so much. I want you to be the best at whatever you want, but to have that chance, I need you to pay close attention. Yeah. Here's the schematics. Go build this. And she's like, I can't. And she mopes for a bit, 
And then she looks down and she's standing on top of the Starfleet Delta. Mm, yes. Pushes a few buttons and Janeway's back. I'm, I'm back. But how? Yes, Just although like that. turns out after quite a long time. Yeah. Because it took 273 attempts. And she's managed to build the warp matrix uh, thing in the meantime, which is, yeah, looks exactly the way that uh, Dalmil built it. Yep. And Gwyn too. And it's got the uh, dilithium coupler. And then she spent God knows how long reconstructing Janeway, yes. which only took 276 tries <laughs> yep. by the marks on the window. And she asked, okay, if you could do this, why did you need me? No one told me where it goes. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, I made it, but like, I don't know what to do with it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, which is great. Yes. It'd be so obvious to an engineer, so obvious to a lot of people, but yeah, not everybody has that yeah, background really don't, knowledge. really don't know what to do with it. It's like, because <laughs> she spent like, a lot of time teaching herself maths and whatnot. And so much math. So much math. Uh, but it gets... Plugged in, there's another tachyon flash, and everybody gets back into the same time frame. They actually remember being not alive. Jacob distinctly remembers not being alive. <laughs> not being wow. Yeah. That's weird, but okay, I'll take it. But they're all together again is the important thing, because that's how physics in Star Trek works. Yes. It rewards loyalty and friendship and virtue. Murph comes dropping down from the ceiling. Oh, and Rock had earlier said to Janeway, look, oh, I wish I could hug you because she'd been lonely. Yeah, been really absolutely. lonely. But fortunately, everybody else, the rest entire of the crew is more than happy to give her those hugs. There's the hug you wanted. Aww. And, like, she explains to everyone, like, what she did yep. to pull it all together. So she's a new science officer, engineer. Like, what's, what is it that her calling? Something along those lines, yes. And Janeway goes like, well, you might not be like Starfleet, but you are my crew. Hey, is that mockery in your voice, Kay? No, not at all. Are you not on board no, with this? Because otherwise I'm going to just have to like, pull this episode no, uh, no, not out of the mothballs no, again and start no, over. No, yeah, it's, okay. it's just like a little bit of that like Janeway stubbornness. Oh. It really is. Because you, you may not feel like a crew, but you sure do look like one. Yes, I believe the, 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 the phrase as she exactly says it. And she's... I mean, she's not Janeway. She's a training hologram. Yeah. Modelled after uh, Captain Janeway herself. These aren't the first cadets she's seen... No, very true. ...growing yeah. into, uh, into a crew. She's been around the block a few times. Oh, it's Gwyn who goes over to Janeway to ask about, like... How long was she alone? <sighs> Too long. I mean, if we, it's a sine wave that dies down. Yeah. So if 10 minutes is 10 seconds for... What's, our, what's the name of our little enge Polk. engineering troll? Yes. Fine. <laughs> Let it slide. Then that's a time factor of 60. 60. Yeah. Which means that it only should be 600 minutes for, so 10 hours for uh, rock. Yeah, if that's how it works. I mean, that's, how, that's what, clearly what the sine wave shows. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Let me... No, I don't really... Because Jank and Pog was closer. Yeah. And I did start with him. But apparently that doesn't matter. Yeah. So there you go, Kay. Yeah. I'll clearly not. like that. Just saying. It's too bad. Right. You already dumped your warp core. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> no, you're completely right, of course. And honestly... Imagine if Star Trek episodes like this one and the other one, whichever one Chief said earlier about the next generation with yeah. the phasing and Geordi and... Imagine if they were more scientifically, like, accurate. Mm. We wouldn't have anything to sort of 
gripe about and like theorize Oof. about. Well, yes, true. No, I'm not saying that. Oh, but then we wouldn't have anything to complain about. But by doing so, I like I, as a as a young nerd watching Star Trek, I was really stimulated to, mm. to to really think about this. Wait, is that correct? No, it's not. Well, then what would be correct? And sort of puzzle it out for yourself. The fact that it's not perfect because these. These writers are television writers first and foremost. Yes. They have scientific consultants, and it's fun when they have a, a I cool mean, conceit. Wasn't it literally that in The Next Generation, in the script, there would be like literally lines which said techno babble? Okay, I don't think it ever went that bad, but yes, I think you're talking about in, Ronald D. Moore. Right, as in. Who, some, while he was drafting scripts, yeah. he would just like keep that as a placeholder. <laughs> I'm reminded of a very famous letter. Written by an Australian boy the week after, like, Sputnik 1 launched in, like, 1955. Mm -hmm. And it was written to a top scientist in crayon. It said on the envelope, to a top scientist at Woomera Rocket Range, where the, like, the Australian, like, rocket experiments were were taking place. British ones, too. Urgent. And, like, there was a drawing of a rocket with the engine over here, and then Australian markings here, and the astronauts are here. And then on the bottom it says, you fill in other details. Yeah, yeah. Here's the design, you build it. <laughs> and like 50 years later, that letter was dug up and he got a response. <laughs> wow. <laughs> from, yeah, well, as a top scientist, I was actually quite busy, but now that things have calmed down a little bit and we've put men on the moon and such. I've, then... I've had a look at it and uh, here's some extra detail. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, deleted scenes. Or are we going to do Pike's Brief? Do you remember that? Where something that doesn't make sense. I mean, they're kind of the same thing. Because right. we do Pike's Brief, it's Nandy phones up, says, oh, I've got some information to offer in exchange for the reward. Yes. Gives him the information and then just vanishes, which is not a very Ferengi no. thing to do. As long as, it, I mean, as long as the Ferengi gets paid, Ferengi's fine with it, isn't it? I mean, they would normally be... Yeah. Is it, though? No, because if you get paid straight away, then clearly you didn't haggle enough. Oh, that's a good point, yes. If it doesn't run, it's not prey. Mm, yeah. My deleted scene is going to be... Your imaginary deleted scene. My imaginary deleted scene. How how you describe this to people who are new listeners? Because there is someone who... Okay. So basically what what, what we have is a... Basically a scene that ended up on the cutting room floor. Yes. That was cut out for for, for time reasons. So there's a scene where Murph is like riding around on the back of the uh, Kilnock uh, (laughs) uh, droid. Sitting there going like... And the the Kilnock droid's going like, well, there's bloody thing. Nothing I can do here because like nobody's... I, I haven't designed the Matrix and like I'm just sitting here waiting and Murph is just going there giddy up on the back of it. <laughs> just like your cat Pip just did when I wheeled over our little sort of tray with, with yes. microphones. She immediately jumped on Where top of going? it. We're going. We're going. Adventure <laughs> <Yeah>. awaits. <laughs> Onward my noble steed. <laughs> then I think mine is, it's weird how sometimes there's a deleted scene that's cut right from the middle of a much longer scene. Yeah. It seems like well, it doesn't that, exist at all. That's how it goes, yeah. Which is like the hour and a half like negotiation and lying that took place between the Diviner and, the, and Dead Knock One <laughs> yeah, and well, Nandy. Well, that's definitely something that got left on the cut room. They, they, they recorded, they filmed it. Exactly, and like, nah, exactly. This is like, Animated this is not, all this, of it. This isn't progressing the, spro- the plot enough. With, like, oh, we forgot it's supposed to be only 25 minutes oh, and not 49. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Well, we'll just cut the bit where he's... Where they talk about all the money. <laughs> got com- complete... And then she also talks about, you know, the women's revolution and sexual liberation on Ferenganar or maybe... Oh, yes. How she's a member of a rebel. about that, how that goes, yeah. Yeah, and oh, are you are you a sexist? Is this a sexist thing? No, it's not a sexist thing. Okay, fine. Give her an extra twenty five percent to shut her up. Yeah. We don't want to get hashtag cancelled out in space. <laughs> oh, good gravy! 
Ah, oh, you can't say anything. Everything is like so uh, woke these days. Even that the seems Frankies like a thing are, that even the Frankies are woke now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, once it's profitable. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> All right. Well, I think that more or less covers it. Does it? Doesn't it? Have we got anything? Else? Any other items that we need? Well, I, I don't think so. But in that case, what are you going to do? I'm leaving Star Trek. <laughs> Energize. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode with friends Kay and Kaki, production editing by your chief engineer Greg, and music by Fox Amore. Join us next time for Voyager Season 3, Episode 23, Distant Origin. You can visit us at joyoftrek.com slash links, send us your recommendations, support us on Patreon, or to find us on Blue Sky, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Joy of Trek, and we'll see you out there.